We learned earlier on in the Perak that if somebody transports Maishasheni produce from one location to another and then he redeems it in the second location, the price which he uses to redeem it depends on the location which he is in currently. So not the original location, rather the second location where he is when he redeems the produce. We're going to see in our Mishnah a very similar idea and a different consequence of that. So the Mishnah tells us that Hamaniach Isar, one who places an Isar, he sets aside an Isar coin, which is Chulin, and he stipulates that every time he eats part of his Maishasheni produce, before he eats it, he is redeeming it onto that money. So the Maishasheni status is transferred from the food onto the money, and then he eats the food until he has eaten an Isar worth of food, and then the entire coin will be considered Maishasheni, and he'll spend that in Yerushalayim as the usual laws of Maishasheni go. So the Mishnah says that Hamaniach Isar, one who set aside this Isar coin in order to redeem Maishasheni onto the coin, and he eats corresponding to half of its value. So he eats half an Isar worth of his Maishasheni produce, which became Chulin produce, and then he went to another place and he brought the Isar coin with him, the Harehu Yetzim but in the second location, the Isar is worth double. It's worth a pundiyon, which is two isar. So the question is, how much more room is there in this coin to redeem Maishasheni onto it? So you might think at first glance that since this person ate half an isar, and now the coin is worth two isar, so he's got one isar and a half left. However, that is not the case, because the fact is that he ate half of what he was allowed to eat when he was in the original location. And so the Mishnah says we don't look at the exact amount which he's eaten, rather we look at the proportion of the coin which he has eaten. And in our case, that was half. Half of the coin has been used up, that can never be recovered. And so he's got half the coin left, so since now the coin is worth two isar, half of that would be one isar, so eichel olav od isar, he is allowed to eat one more isar, and that, be, that would be redeemed onto the coin, and the entire coin would then be considered a Maishasheni coin. Now what happens if it's the other way around? Hamaniach pundiyain, one who sets aside a pundiyain of chulin in order to redeem Maishasheni produce onto that, and he eats half the pundiyain, so he eats one isar worth of produce, so now he has used up half of the coin. Then he goes to another place, and what was worth a pundiyain in his original place is now worth only an isar, half the amount. So says the Mishnah, he's got half of the coin left which he hasn't used, but whereas in his original location half of the coin was worth an isar, now it is only worth half an isar and therefore ichel olvoid plug, he can eat another half an isar corresponding to that half which is still free. Now the second half of the Mishnah discusses the exact opposite case, where he's got a coin of Maishasheni, and he spends that on food. So whereas in the previous case the coin itself was chulin, and he was redeeming produce onto the money, now he's actually spending the money, and so transferring the Maishasheni status from the money onto the produce. And this is going to involve quite a lot of maths, and the main point of discussion is if somebody has, let's say, a coin of Maishasheni, and he's spending money on produce, not necessarily using that specific coin, but by buying other produce, he's redeeming that coin onto the produce. And the question of our Mishnah is, is there a point at which he's redeemed so much of the coin that that which is left in the coin which has not been redeemed is such a small amount that it's considered insignificant, and so even though there'd be a tiny amount of the coin which is still Maishasheni and hasn't been redeemed, we would say that it's okay, and we consider the entire coin to be chulin and redeemed because it's just a tiny amount. And the answer is, indeed there is. Hamaniach Isar Shal Maishasheni, one who sets aside a Maishasheni Isar, and he's buying produce and redeeming the Maishasheni onto that produce. Eichel Olav Achad Asar Isar, he only needs to eat 10 elevenths 
of the isr food worth 10 elevenths of an isr and once there's only one eleventh which is around nine ten percent that according to the mission is considered an insignificant amount at least according to this opinion such that we consider that as if it was redeemed then it's considered chulin now all of that is only with regards to maishasheni separated from demai which is produce from which it is unsure whether the mice have been taken so out of doubt one needs to separate the mice again but the maishasheni which is separated from it is only out of doubt so in that case as soon as you've eaten ten elevenths you can consider the entire coin redeemed. However, when it comes to real Maishasheni, which was separated from Tevel, definitely untithed produce, then the Echel Memeab Isar, you can only leave one hundredth, one percent of the Isar not redeemed, and we would consider that amount to be insignificant. Which means you have to spend 99% of it, not only 10 elevenths, but 99 hundredths, in order to consider the entire coin to be redeemed. Now the reason for these exact amounts is not very clear, some of us want to suggest that the amount of 1% is similar to nullification, where if one unit of trimmer is mixed with 100 units of chulin, the trimmer is considered insignificant and nullified. So perhaps it's a similar idea over here, where 1 100th is considered an insignificant amount. And the reason for the number of 10 elevenths, and this is where the math comes in, is as follows. In many areas of halacha, a shoya prutta, the value of a prutta, is considered the smallest significant amount of money and anything below that is not considered valuable at all. Now there are eight prutas in a isar, which means that when it comes to percentages, one pruta is 12.5% of an isar. Now when one redeems Maishasheni, he needs to add on a chaymesh, which as we have explained is really a quarter. And so now if let's say we take an example where somebody ate produce worth nine-tenths of the isar, so that's 90% of the isar. That means that there's 10% which is left. Now 10% plus a chaymesh plus a quarter is 12.5%, which is the value of a prutta. Which means that if you only eat 9 tenths of the isar, then there will still be an, a, a prutta left in the coin. And that is considered significant. And therefore only if you eat 10 elevenths, you bring it up one, only then will that which is not yet redeemed be less than a prutta and therefore will be considered insignificant, and we would consider the entire coin to be redeemed. So that's all the Tanakama's opinion. Now, Bishamah and Bishamah say, Hakol, all of it, meaning all of the cases, whether the Maishashenim be from Demai or from definitely untithed produce, Asara, the amount is 10, which means that as soon as there's only one-tenth of the coin which is left unspent, unredeemed, we consider the entire coin to be redeemed. And the reason for Beishamah is that we don't calculate it using the Chaymesh. So as soon as you've eaten nine-tenths of the coin, food worth nine-tenths of the Isar, so there's only one-tenth left, 10% is less than a Prutta. It's true if you start adding on a quarter, so it comes to be a Prutta. The fact is, within this coin itself, the only part of the coin which has not yet been spent is 10% of the Isar, which is less than a Prutta. And therefore, according to Beishamah, that is considered insignificant, so we consider the entire coin to be redeemed. Now, Beishil agree with the Tanakhama that we do take the Chaymesh into account. However, Beishil, I mean, Beishil say, it's only Bavadai. When it comes to definitely untithed produce, Tevel, if Maishashenu is separated from there, then it's Achadosar. Then once you've eaten 10 elevenths, then we consider the entire coin to be redeemed. So that means with regards to definite Maishashenu, we do calculate the Chaymesh with it. And so in that regard, they disagree with Beishamai. However, over Demai, when it comes to Demai, they still agree with Beishamai that we don't take the Chaymesh into account. 
and therefore asara. It's ten, meaning as soon as you've eaten nine tenths, and there's only one tenth left, that's considered done. The whole coin is considered redeemed. And the reason for this is very simple. That when you redeem Maishasheni of the Mai, you don't need to add a Chaymesh. So of course we're not going to calculate it using a Chaymesh adding on a quarter when it comes to the Mai. Because there is no Chaymesh when it comes to the Mai. Now based on this, the Tanakama's opinion is quite difficult. Because according to the Tanakama, we do calculate the Chaymesh when it comes to the Mai. So seemingly that is a big stringency where the Tanakama holds that even though in general you don't need to add a Chaymesh onto the Mai produce, since there is a concept of Chaymesh in general, we do calculate the Chaymesh and therefore according to the Tanakama, only once you've eaten 10 elevenths of the produce when it comes to the Mai, only then can you consider the entire coin to be redeemed. All money which is found, if somebody finds money lying around and he picks it up, he can assume that all the money is considered money. He does not need to be concerned that somebody used the money to redeem Maishasheni produce onto that money. The reason being that most money is chulin. So we follow the majority over here, and therefore one can assume that it is chulin. Now the truth is, the Mishnah in Shekolim does say there is an exception, and that is that if you find the money in your Shalayim, during one of the Sholish Regalim, one of the three main Nomentovim. In that scenario, you do need to be worried that it is considered Maishasheni money, because in Yerushalayim, during that time, most people brought up their Maishasheni for the Sholish Regalim, because they had to come up to Yerushalayim anyway at that time, to appear at the base Hamikdosh on the Sholish Regalim, and therefore if you find money at that time in that place, in Yerushalayim, then you do need to be concerned that it is Maishasheni money. However, in general, you don't. Even if the money you find consists of a gold dinar and a silver dinar and copper coins, even then you can consider it chulin. And the reason why the mission is saying this is because I might have thought that this is an indication that it's Maishasheni money. Because in general, people don't carry around lots of different types of coins. But with regards to Maishasheni, you would. Because you would redeem all of your produce onto gold coins. But then you'll have some leftover produce, which doesn't quite make up a gold coin. So you would redeem that onto silver coins. But then you'd have a little bit of extra produce, which doesn't quite make up a silver coin. So you'd need to redeem that onto copper coins, and that would explain why you'd have all these different types of coins together. However, the Mishnah says that you do not need to assume that is the case, because in general, if people do have Maishasheni money, they would write on a piece of clay or something, as we're about to see, that it is Maishasheni. So the fact that there is no indication that it's Maishasheni money, means that you can still assume that it's Cholin. However, as we just said, if you find among the money, if you imagine the money is tied into a pouch, and in that pouch there is also cheres, a piece of earthenware, the chos of Allah of Maisa, and the word Maisa is written on that earthenware piece, so in that case, Harizah Maisa, then you do have to assume that it's Maisa Shani, as that clay piece indicates. Although it is possible that the earthenware piece came from somewhere else, and it fell among that money, nevertheless, it's far more likely that he put it there, and therefore you do need to be worried and be concerned and treat this as Maishasheni money. Mr. Yud, on a similar note, Hamaitse Kli Vechosval of Carbon. One who finds a container, utensil, on which it is written the word carbon. Now, although carbon generally means a carbon which is brought up on the Mizbeach, a sacrifice, carbon can also refer to the general category of hektosh. Hektosh is anything which belongs to the Beis Hamikdash. So if somebody designates an item which will go to the Beis Hamikdash, then that now becomes hektosh. So you've got a container, a utensil, on which it is written that this thing is hektosh. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, If that utensil was made out of earthenware, 
Earthenware was a very cheap material, wasn't considered very significant or important, and so it was quite uncommon for somebody to designate that to the Besamikdash. They would designate nicer things. And because of that, you can assume that the label on the utensil is not indicating that the utensil itself belongs to the Besamikdash, rather that which is inside the utensil belongs to the Besamikdash. And the reason why I put the label on the outside, on the utensil, is because that's considered a cheap item. And so you put the label there, indicating about the more significant things inside. And therefore, hu chulin, the utensil itself is considered chulin, carbon, whereas that which is inside of the utensil, which is likely to be more of a significant thing, that is assumed to be hekdush. On the other hand, if the utensil was made out of metal, such as copper or silver, that was commonly designated to the Beis HaMikdash, and therefore hu carbon, it's assumed that the label is referring to the utensil itself, and therefore the utensil is hekdash, and it follows that that which is inside the utensil is considered chulin, since the label is clearly referring to the utensil itself, and not what is inside of the utensil. However, Omuloi the Chachom said to Yehuda, about your last point, we don't agree with you, because it's forbidden to use something which belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, for your own needs, so you can't store your chulin inside a hekdash utensil. So if you find items inside a hekdash utensil, we're going to assume that it was done in a permitted way, and so we assume that that which is inside is also considered hekdash, because ain't there when Adam layers kinsim chulin carbon. It is not the general way of people to place chulin inside hekdash, since it's forbidden. And therefore, according to the Chachomim, if the utensil is made out of metal, and it's written on the utensil carbon, we consider both the utensil and its contents to be hekdash. Mishnud Aleph, what happens if somebody finds a utensil on which something is written, but it's not quite clear what exactly it means? For example, amitzikli, if somebody finds a utensil with of kuf, the letter kuf is written on it. The question is, do we consider that to be an indication that it's carbon, that it's hekdash, and then, of course, it would depend on whether it's a metal utensil, or an earthenware one, or perhaps we don't even consider it to anything to be hectish there, because maybe kuf is just an indication of somebody's name, or something else. So it's machlekes. According to the first opinion of the Mishnah, we always assume it to be something halachic, something which has halachic ramifications, indicating that it is sanctified produce. And therefore, in this case, where a kuf is written on it, carbon, we assume that it means a carbon. Mem, if the letter Mem was written on it, then Maisa, we assume it to be Maisa Shani, and in this case, it wouldn't depend what material the utensil is made out of, because Maisa Shani is always used to buy food, not items and objects, and therefore in that case we definitely assume the Maisa to be referring to what is inside the utensil, and the utensil would remain Chulin. Dalad, if the letter Dalad is written on it, then Demai, we assume that which is inside the utensil is considered Demai, Tes, Tevel, we assume it's Tevel, Tof, Truma, and the reason why we assume automatically that it's referring to sanctified produce, even though it could be stand for a million different things, is because Shabashah Sakona, during a time of danger, when the non-Jewish government didn't allow the Jews to keep Torah and Mitzvah, they would write just the letter Tov instead of writing Truma explicitly, so that they would know that it stands for Truma, but the government wouldn't know. Now that's all the Tanakam's opinion, however, Rabbi Yaisi says, they're all just names of people, it's the person's initials. For example, if his name was Moshe, so he'd write a mem. And according to Rabbi Yossi, you don't automatically assume that it has halachic significance. Now the truth is, we're about to see that Rabbi Yossi holds that even if it is written the full word truma or carbon on the utensil, even then we don't think of anything of it. And he'll explain his reason. But over here, Rabbi Yossi is saying that even according to Yudu Chachomim, 
Although Tanakama, who hold that if it said Truma, then we would assume it was definitely Truma, according to you, if it only has a Toph, then you can't assume that. But now we're going to see that Omar Biyasi says that according to him, even if you find a barrel full of produce, the Chosva law of Truma, and it's written on the barrel very clearly, Truma. The full word says Rabbi Yaisi, the produce is considered to be Chulin. Why? Shani Oimer, because I would say, last year, previously it was full of Truma of produce, but since then, Ufina, he's emptied out that produce and now he's put more produce in, which is not Truma. You're right, maybe the first time he used it was Truma, but that has no bearing on what it is now, and therefore the produce which is in it right now we consider to be Chulin, even if it says very clearly Truma.